This is a global original podcast. Hi, and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations, and ultimately, the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Hi, guys. Listener plays a big part in today's podcast because we called out to you to ask yes. you what you were worrying about. And as ever, what's so wonderful is we're all worrying about the same thing. So well, we yeah. work our way through them. Yeah, Dungeons and this, this is, going back to school, not going back to school. And this is very much a potpourri. I mean, mm. some of these worries obviously are flecked through with the whole COVID thing. And then there are other worries, more sort of, mm. you know, universal worries. Really. Talking to your kids about safe sex. Yes. So all like sorts that. of things. Yeah. A potpourri is the right way. Absolutely. A smorgasbord of delights. Well, let's get our noses in that potpourri and nuzzle about. Nuzzle, nuzzle, nuzzle. to our podcast Confessions of a Modern Parent. Now, do forgive us. We are in unprecedented times, so we are not in the studio, so it is a bit echoey. We're in an unprecedented room. <laughs> I feel unprecedented. <laughs> oh, it's unprecedented. God. It's actually unprecedented that we've managed to talk about so much in this room or mm. rooms like this, just me and you. Mm. jabbering away jabbers a lot of people have said we've been very negative throughout covid i think we should get meta i think we should talk about the fact that we do a podcast and i think we should talk about the fact that actually it's quite a drain doing these chats in a good way because Mm. we have to dig deep yeah it's not about just skimming across the surface and a number of people who leave comments on like itunes and the various platforms that you can listen to these chats on they do say that you know there's there's a lot of humor in there there's a lot of sadness there's a lot of sort of angst and and anxiety and but real soul searching and it is a really and so it's like the old adage you know if something if you don't want to do something sometimes you need to do it yeah and I think these chats are those things where yeah sometimes sometimes I get quite excited about a chat Mm. sometimes I get scared because I know I'm gonna have to be really honest and I think it's really easy it it can feel like the easy choice as a parent to just push stuff down for later. One of, the, one of the simple acts of being a professional <laughs> is turning your phone a little oh, shut off. shut up. You were always rubbish on shut it. TV. Sets. Oh, how dare you? You were. Your phone goes off all the time. Oh, he's such a... Last week was an incredibly, uh, what I call a boomerang chat, where we went in and I felt cocksure and I felt certain and I felt sort of, you know, like I knew what was going to come at me. And we talked about obesity and eating habits, and I, I fell apart. Mm, so, <laughs> so God knows what's going to happen so today. So God only knows what's going to happen today. Because today you have all helped us out, and we posted this on our Instagram this morning, just saying, what are you worrying about? You know, there's always something to worry about, isn't there, as a parent? So what are you worrying about at the moment? And actually, nearly everything you're worrying about, we're worrying about too. So we just thought, well, let's go through the stuff. Well, let's see. go through what, what, what people are worrying about. And we've got a lot of sort of very diverse and varied subjects. So it is going to bounce around a bit, this chat. But I think it will be a good sort of profile of where a lot of parents and teens, some kids mm. have commented as well here, or young adults, as I, I like to call them. I just want to, 
I always like I like to push us through the process of going back to our youth, even on something as sort of non-specific as worries. I don't remember <laughs> my mum worrying about anything when it came to parenting. I don't have any recollection of my mum worrying about no, me when I was young. And I don't no. think many kids of our generations no. do, do I you? still do. think some kids, I mean, we do, I think we overshare with our kids and I think sometimes it's a burden for them that we share our worry about mm. them. Um, but, I mean, some of my friends, they would say, oh, God, I wouldn't, just wouldn't worry about it, don't even think about it, just push on. And I think... I mean, some of my friends who's, yeah. who do worry and that their partner doesn't, you know, their yes. husband will say, what are you even thinking about this for? It's not a thing I envy that so much. But I do tear myself to pieces with absolutely everything. But it very often falls that way, doesn't it? Where a mum is seen as the worrier or will worry about things more and then the dad generally will be a sort of, oh, come on, just... because." But the it, girls it, think you're the bigger one. No, no, absolutely. But the mm. shorthand runs, I think, traditionally, that, that, that dads aren't sort of interested in the finer emotional details of mm. shit. I, I think am. that's why it's good, quite good to have a mix, actually, in your parents. If you've got two warrior free cats. Well, we're both warriors. I know. Exactly. Who worries more, do you think, of us two? We worry about different I things. I just think we worry at different times, but I think we are both... Um, you will worry about things that are not yet happening. Right. What if, da, 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 what if, whereas I'm worrying about what I know right now is happening. Yeah, but you don't ever tell me what now is happening. Yeah, because you can't cope. Yeah, I know, but I know something's happening, so my what ifs go mad because I know that what is, I won't know. Yeah, but this is the problem, you see. If you're an overreactor, nobody ever tells you anything. Even when I manage my reactions, it doesn't get you me anywhere. You never manage your I reactions. I do manage my reactions. Oh, look at you now. You're sweating. <laughs> You've gone purple. <laughs> no, I do. I do. And I go to great lengths of almost for weeks on end before making sure I don't have an extreme reaction. It doesn't get me anywhere. You've no, decided. No, you've decided what I am. Because you're an open book. That's not me. It's the no, kids. You're the kids. You're the, the kids, girls the kids, corralled the together. Kids want to, no, no, no. The kids want to save you any anguish. Don't, God, can you imagine? Don't tell Dad. Dad will be in such a state. Dad will be upset. Dad will be this. Dad will be that. But even when I'm calm, the other day in the kitchen, we were in a curious situation, listener, where admittedly I'd obviously done something on a number of occasions as a dad that was annoying or disappointing, to use the, the word. I hadn't done it on the last two occasions, but I was told off and harangued because I had done it in the past. Mm. And I had to draw all your attention to it. And to be fair, you all had the grace to go, uh, that's true, actually. We're pulling you up on something you haven't done. It's quite Because funny. you used to do it. Um, anyway, we okay. digress. Well, no, we don't. We We've gone into how to stay married. No, we haven't. We're talking about <laughs> worrying. We're talking about this is for parents, isn't it? About yeah. worrying. And we are parents. What are you most worried about now in terms of your kids? Our kids? Well, apart from stuff that I wouldn't want to say because I wouldn't want to betray sure. them, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, another whole heap of, like, just constant worry yeah. with daughters. Um, See, I'm now, I'm now am, what ifing like a nutter. I am worried about the world. Mm. I am, you know, we went into to London a couple of days ago, listener, and it was just... Terrifying. And that is not an exaggeration. It was terrifying because so many restaurants, so many shops are still closed down. And I'm just thinking, jobs, 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 mm. jobs. Where is everybody going to get a job? Mm. Where are our young people going to get a job? Yeah. You know, I mean, Maddie, Maddie is now 17. She would be now this year getting a job in a cafe or thinking about a pub when she's 18 in December or waitressing or, you know, I was doing at 17. My, 
you know, the age she is now, I was having the time of my life. I was just started working at the National Theatre. I was an usherette. I was meeting such a diverse group of people. It's where I made all my contacts. I got my first mm-hmm. acting job on the stage because one of the directors was, one of the other ushers was a director. And we formed this little, little um, touring company and we did all these plays. What, what, what are you going to do? And it's like when she said, when Maddie said to us, yeah, you know, it's the lockdown's lifted shit, but everything I do now, I'm thinking about it. Mm. I, well, my used, worry the is the by day. being careful all the time, how can they be carefree? Well, and they should be carefree. Mm. We are finding it exhausting not being carefree. And so I worry about the carefreeness. I had a really upsetting moment in the Tate Gallery, gorgeous little baby in a buggy. And I just smiled like I always do at babies. And he couldn't see my smile. Because you had a mask on. Yeah. Mm. I just thought, this baby that I'm looking at now won't see people. Won't see people smiling at them. So all of these mm. things, and I and just because I'm a mother now of teens doesn't mean I'm not feeling it very keenly for people with mothers of babies. You know, when my friends at work tell me, Oh, yeah, I've had this baby, but you know, there's been no interaction with any other children. And then I and then I and then I I worry who I feel like. I feel like the beginning of a new age that could be incredible and exciting and completely different from the life we've been living, or we are moving to robots taking over everything. And I find it really scary. You know, you want to go into a restaurant and you have to, you have to download an app that then puts you into a virtual queue that then gives you your addresser. And you just think, what? You know, and Amazon have now opened a shop where there doesn't have to be a living soul in it. You go in and you just show your phone to every... And so my worry is, what is their world going to be like? Mm. And I worry about keeping them on any kind of track. You know, if they say, well, what's the point, Mum? The planet is burning up. I mean, we've got 36 degrees again on Friday. Well, that, you know, yeah. it's just like... I, 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 am, I am getting very scared about them coming to me with the question, why should I learn this? Why should I go here? Why shouldn't I drink? Why shouldn't I do this? We've probably got X amount of years left. And mm. it's very, very difficult. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think that's my major worry. I think my major worries for the girls, uh, for all four of the girls, Izzy and Fleur, is the disorientation they're going to feel. Um, at a point that's really disorientating anyway, mm. you know, I mean, and, 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 you know, for young adults, you know, as we, we, this is Confessions of a Modern Parent, and we are parents to children from the age of 26 all the way down to 12, nearly 13 now. Um, and at all those stages, they're hitting all of the normal moments that, that, that you know, gr- you know, young adults or, or teenage kids do. And they're already, you know, those moments in normal life are littered with pressures and stresses and unknowabilities and, you know, fear and worry and all that kind of stuff. And I know some of the comments that have come in are about, you know, their children, you know, applying to university, finding the purpose to go to university, if they're going to be university. Now, our girls are homeschooled, but, you know, Maddie likewise is, on a, is, is and was on a trajectory towards some kind of college education where she, you know, she just doubled down on her performing arts skills. 
And I'm looking around with her and I'm looking around online and there's there's a dearth of opportunities. Mm. So how do we keep them motivated? How do you keep them motivated? No how, what they want yeah. To do. And they're already asking questions. You know, I mean, every now and then I'll hear Maddie say something along the lines of, well, it's all futile anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you'll hear Kiki say it. Now that we can laugh about that and we do socially laugh about that and we all kind of go, well, of course, but not really. But I think it's getting the, hard there to is say a sort really. of, yeah, there's a sort of, it's called nihilism. Nihilism is part of being young, you know, a nihilistic, mm. live for today, you know, live fast, die young, all that kind of sex pistols chat. It's the rites of passage of being a teenager. And, I'm, I'm, and you're absolutely right. My worry is that for this teenage group or for this, these young adults, there's absolutely no structure or sense of narrative purpose beyond anything because everything's been thrown up in the air and all the dust has been kicked up and everything has been shown. I mean, this is my problem with it. On the one hand, I dovetail as a parent, as a father, between two points. One, there's going to be great opportunity in the carnage and the mess that we come out, you know, when we come out of this mess. The other is that it's so unknowable, are those opportunities going to fall into the right place for our children? You know, I do think you know, civilization and society. And these are big terms that we often, I think all of us probably think, oh, why are we talking about civilization? That's a bit of a bloody loaded big term. Because we are literally in the middle of a situation here, which is changing the course of most societies. We're seeing it in the workplace. We're seeing it in finances. We're seeing it in socializing. We're seeing it just in the way we all have a physical sense of ourselves now. I don't feel comfortable around anyone at all now I'm always conscious of it Uh, sometimes I forget when we're in our own bubble and we're out as a family with Maddie and Kiki I sometimes forget that I can be all right with them do you know what I mean there's that difficulty um Mm. and so it's really 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 tough it's really tough trying to um sell to them and I do think being a parent is all about selling selling our kids a story and I, I suppose one of the problems I have as a parent is this whole crisis reveals that we are actually in the business as parents of lying to our children all the time. Mm. We are in the business of, of convincing them. Covering up. To it's go, a cover no, up. No, no, no. It's, it's a cover up. Well, it's a cover up. It's, it's, it's fraud. The whole of, the yes, whole of life is fraud. Because let's face it, if we are all fundamentally honest with ourselves as grown ups, you know, where we suffer with our own depressions and anxieties and worries and issues around insecurities in work or what our purpose is or what our dreams are is because actually life is effing complicated. It's complicated, it's unpredictable, it doesn't reward you even if you pump in all the right kind of stuff to get the right thing that you want in life, you don't necessarily get it. And so, you know, life is utterly, utterly unpredictable and yet we sell this nonsense to our children of it's predictable and everything you're doing as a child, if you do this, this, this and this, it'll become even more predictable and even more definable, and it's not. And I think this crisis has thrown up something that's, and I do think it's a kind of double-edged sword. I think it's thrown up something that's a real challenge and in the short term looks like a, a complete catastrophe. But in the long term, I hope, philosophically, will allow us all to think, oh, do you know what? There are other ways to get out of this. There are other ways to live. There are other ways to, to, to conduct ourselves as human beings. And I do see, you know, I think that's the challenge for the parent in covid the challenge for the parent in COVID is to look at the, bizarrely, the positives coming out of this. And some of that will be technological change. Some of that will be having time for yourself. Some of that will be being more considered in how you consume and use the planet and buy stuff and 
eat stuff and, you know, right down to things like, you know, okay, it's taking COVID to deal with obesity, as we were talking about last week, but these are all good things. Mm. But equally, there are as many bad things, like we're being, everyone's being taught to just drink, mm. drink, drink, drink to get through it. So, I, you know, I, it's a kind of double-edged sword. So my worries, I keep trying to flip them into positives. Me too, all the time, all the time. And I do, and I, I feel blessed that I can a lot of the time. Um, and I have the huge gratitude and I feel very blessed that I'm someone that can find gratitude. But that doesn't mean that it's not incredibly scary a mm. lot of the time for all of us, mm. for, in all, for all different reasons. Yeah. And even Maddie the other day, she said, oh, you were right. I said, oh, I said, I feel a bit down about it all. But I said, but, and then I see how much suffering there is. And I just think to myself, oh, shut up. And she went, but mum, everybody has somebody that suffers more. That doesn't mean that, uh, that your suffering isn't, isn't valid. And I just thought, oh, she's such a lovely girl. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing that I feel like I have to say to you an awful lot. You disallow, I think, yourself. And I don't think you disallow in a controlling way, not at all. But I think you you try and urge us not to feel the negativity we feel about things by reminding us that we're lucky. And that is a, that is a virtuous thing to say and do. But I do think sometimes it, you can, it can run the risk of feeling like we're disallowed to feel something that we feel. And you're right. Perhaps, you know, our situation is better than someone else's. There's going to be someone whose situation is better than ours. And there's going to be someone whose situation is worse than ours. And for everyone, there's going to be that. Mm. I think we are all entitled to feel what oh, we're God, feeling. And I'm a great advocate for that. I absolutely believe that. Mm. Um, but it's my way of having a happier life. It's not about mm. I mustn't. It's about I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to have a whole day of feeling bad about something. So I look for a way not to feel it, but not in a like... I, I don't really think I should be because I hate the word should anyway. It's just I just think, do you know what? I don't want to feel this shit all day. Mm. I mean, I think it's curious, isn't it? We're at a place now. What we're nearly, we're nearly April, May, June, July. We're nearly six. We're five months into this crisis since March. I still feel in shock. Well, I, I, I do. I, I, I genuinely do. still feel. In shock. I still can't believe it. Yeah, but it feels when I look at the options and the sort of dilemmas that we're faced with right now as parents, they don't feel much different to the ones that we thought we were going to be facing only two weeks into this crisis. You know, it's not like I don't feel like there are more opportunities. Well, I don't feel like there are more solutions coming up no. in four months. I, I just keep thinking about back to the first month, first few weeks, and people say, "Oh my god." Some people are saying we'll still be social distancing in September. Yeah. No, we won't. I know. And maybe we will be next September, you know. So it, it, yeah. we are all dealing with the shock still now. And yet, ironically, I'm Shocking. seeing everyone on holiday. It's really odd. I don't know how to, I don't know how to square that one. It's really weird. Everyone seems to be hysterical and then everyone seems to everyone, be next to a pool. Everyone's on holiday. Well, if you look on Instagram, everyone's in bloody... Yeah, darling, it? everyone isn't on Instagram. The majority of people are in dire straits, actually, in this country. Yeah. It's a select few that are on holiday. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadisawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadisawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, <laughs> at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adelie. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Well, shall we have a look at some of the, the worries that are worrying you listeners? Yeah? Yeah, let's do, we do it. it. Uh, well, a lot have come up about worrying <laughs> worrying about children worrying, 
worrying about the anxiety that our children are going through. Uh, I'm going to keep everyone anonymous just in case. Uh, this one says, "My son's. Ang- I'm worried about my son's anxiety coming out of lockdown. He's ten and doesn't want to leave the house. Oh God! Oh my God! I mean, that's a real fear. Oh, agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. This is what we were saying right at the beginning, isn't it? What are the government actually going to do with the fact? Because I got completely agoraphobic at one point. I really did. I thought I am never going out again. I have moments as well. I have days. Oh. Well, I don't feel it's like you are fixed agoraphobic. Like, oh, I'm agoraphobic now. Or I have days where I feel really agoraphobic, and then mm. I have other days where I literally want to tear all my clothes off, set fire to the house, and run for the hills. And I really feel for this woman because mm. we can't employ all the usual tricks and mm. falsehoods and all the sorts of things which you say, oh, don't be silly, you'll be fine. Because all we have been told is we will not be fine. We must stay at home. Yes. We must clean our hands. It is literally an impossible situation. But I suppose what I would do, our daughters, I never like to say the particular name of which daughter it was, but one of our daughters had suffered a lot with anxiety over the years. And we've been to CBT and we've been to various different places. And I think the thing that I really picked up as a parent is, and we did this, this me and my daughter did this, have done this over years. We have specific worry time where we will say, okay, don't worry. We're not going to talk about your worries now. We're going to talk about them at six o'clock. You set a time and you just say, I would suggest you would say to him, just put your worries in the worry box and then we'll talk about them later. And you'll be amazed how often those worries aren't there when you talk later, but they feel sort of assured that you are going to talk about it. And you sit down and all the CBT people I spoken to, don't give it more than 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes max, talk about it and move on. Mm. And the thing is, you know, you would have to say, well, this has been a scary time. I think we can't say it's not scary. It has been a scary time. But we're doing really well because yeah. we're careful. We wash our hands. We come back in. We're da, da, da. And so we're safe. But uh, I feel for you because we don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So I think what we have to remember is that 80% of people that get COVID-19 hardly feel it. No, absolutely. That's what we got to remember. But I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what I would say to, you know, if if, if Kiki or Matt, and I was getting worried about the girls, actually. I, I thought at some point they might have got a bit agoraphobic. I mean, fortunately. Quite the opposite. Quite the, well, fortunately, quite the opposite. And I, I would say. Kiki was again, more agoraphobic before. Well, I was going to say, yeah, without naming, but I was going to say that, you know, of the girls where they've had social anxiety, I felt almost like that slightly eased. I felt that in myself a bit too. You know, I likewise have a sort of uh, slight social anxiety sort of issue. And I've wanted to push beyond this just to get out. And again, it's that thing of once you can't do something, you kind of want to do it anyway, don't you? But with a, with a child that is genuinely agoraphobic, I mean, I don't know how you go about solving that. Do you go, is it is it sort of pigeon steps out the door? Is it doing safe but certain yeah, little trips just go out, out and bit, like A little that. bit yeah. at a time and distraction, yeah. lots of distraction, lots of talking. Lots but you of- raised something earlier, which I think is a really interesting point. Um, and someone, quite a few people talking about the uncertainty they're feeling around getting their kids back to school. And I think that must manifest itself in a number of ways. One, will they be going back to school in September? Uh, because, you know, again, that's kind of been kicked back up into the air. Well, no, they've as a said now, they said yesterday that absolutely it is yeah. non negotiable. Every child yeah. will be back in school in September. Well, they've said things with such certainty mm. before and then they've completely fallen apart. Let's see what happens mm. with the with the so called second wave if it happens. 
due to temperature and all that kind of stuff. So there's the uncertainty of kids going back to school. But then there's what I call the optics on going back to school. And you look at kids out. It's like we were driving somewhere yesterday and I saw this child walk past. And I just said to you guys, I said, look at that child. You know, this little child with a big mask. Can't see his mum's face fully because she's got a mask on. You tried smiling at someone yesterday. It was just, just saw your eyes probably looked intense for a minute and probably frightening. And then you're going to have teachers at school wearing masks. And, and you know, so I'm not really concerned. I wouldn't be concerned about them going to school. They probably are going to go to school. But I am, going, I am worried about the very long-term effects of going to a school in that way with those regulations. I mean, you can't conduct yourself around a shop with arrows on the floor. How is a classroom of kids going to do that? Do you know what I mean? There are no answers. There are no answers. I think what I would say to every parent that might be listening now, you know, just arms around you, big hug, Mm. because there is nothing that's going to make us feel okay about this, is there? No. Unless, until it's gone. A lot of a lot of fears about local lockdowns and what impact that will have again. Well, also, I don't think teenagers are going to adhere to another lockdown. I mean, we have extremely like obedient children, actually, God knows how. But they said it just they just said, no, Maddie, you know, he's nearly 18 and she will have those choices. She said, I just can't do another lockdown. And and a lot of I mean, I, I know her and I know she will, but that's the feeling amongst teenagers isn't it of course well, she will but, but it's interesting what you say that she said. what do you do what do you do if your teenager says i am not doing the lockdown? no 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 and that's a really good question and that kind of taps into this one here this is a comment from someone saying i'm worried about finding allowing and balancing safe socialization in this pandemic and i think yeah. that's a really interesting point because you know how responsible do we have to be as parents and how responsible can we be fundamentally i mean you know if you say to our children right you're going to go to the park today but you can only go to the park if you observe the social distancing which is the rules isn't it you're not from other households they're not to be rolling just go drive past any park they're all rolling around with each other they're all taking crisps from each other's bags they're all sharing drinks well i mean i i give that i give those rules i say absolutely no sharing crisps absolutely no sharing drinks Absolutely. You've got enough money, you buy your own food. If somebody wants to have some of your food, you take it out and you give it to them. But And you use your hand sanitizer as often as you can and try not to sit really close to someone. And that is what I'm doing. I'm not going to stop our kids going out. Well, I was going to say, because the only next move in order to ensure that you can't go out. Because they will go out. They're not naughty children. They're not rebellious children. They're not going to go out and go, I'm going to do whatever I want. It's the nature of being carefree and being a young person that you do laugh and you touch your friend. I mean, Absolutely, but you've, you've you've used a really good phrase there. They're not naughty children. And this is something that I think is a real prevalent problem and probably deserving of an entire chat. I think one of the really unsavoury developments and and things that have come out of COVID has been a sort of villainizing of youngsters for their essential youngsterness, if you like. You know, so there is, in the, you know, there's an a, there's a an endeavour and a desire by many people, elderly, much older, who see children or see young adults interacting with each other, who just want to mark them. They see it as another reason to mark them as bad, badly behaved disruptive, disrespectful, lacking in any sort of social kind of responsibilities. And actually, I would love to see all of those people who are judging these teenagers trying to go through this 
Now, because uh, when, yeah. when I said to Izzy when she was going through a really particularly bad time about not being able to see her boyfriend, I said to her, I said, well, we, I was trying to sort of pepper up. I was saying, well, you know, let's remember the, the Blitz spirit, you know, Nan and, and, and Nadia's mum, they went through the war, they had to. She said, yeah, but they could all fucking hug each other. Yeah. She said, try telling people in even a war situation not to be close to each other. She said, it's the worst. She said, it's the worst possible. And when you start to think, and also there was purpose. Yes, you know, I think that the fact is these kids have been told it won't affect you. It won't today. You could kill your nan. Yes, you know, this is very traumatizing. What we've what we've told them, Um, and. But I think villainizing youngsters is a really bad thing because what's yeah. happened now... Well, apparently Nicholas Sturgeon said, a friend of mine was saying this the other day, you know, was reaching out to teenagers, you know, is that night out? You've got to ask yourself, this is as they came mm. out of lockdown, is that night out worth it? Is that gathering with your friends worth it? Mm. And it's like, are you serious? Are you Are you serious? Yes, we understand why you're saying that, but we're all adults. But a 16-year-old no. kid who's been locked in locked for, three, in for months three months is not going to have that understanding. No, of course they're not. They're not. Oh, God, I, would, I was terrible when I was 17. I Nothing was going to stop me doing anything yeah. that I didn't want to. It's part of being 17, being narcissistic, yeah, yeah. self-obsessed, and, and hedonistic, exactly. and carefree. Yeah, I mean, it's a right I, of passage. And it's coming through a lot in America, too. I know we have a lot of American listeners. And, you know, there's a sort of cultural thing where it's like the youngsters aren't taking it seriously. But also the youngsters, you know... They are taking it, they have taken it seriously, but it's also their youth. And I'd be, I'd love to know how so many older people would have coped with such restrictions on their behaviour and their socialising if they'd gone through the same thing. Oh, um, this one. This one comes through another comment here. And this is, this is a very, you know, this is a bad deal with this. Uh, I'm worried about redundancy and finances as a single parent oh. with no help. Oh my God. How the hell do you? <clears throat> How there's nothing one can offer to that fear other than, well, what? What can you say? Just to say you are extraordinary to be, you know, putting one foot in front of each other with that kind of worry. Mm. So, again, we'll keep it anonymous, but you'll know who you are. And all we can say is, you know, so Mm. much respect for you. I can't imagine going through this as a single parent. I just can't imagine. Well, maybe there's no sort of single so parent hard. support through so this. So hard. Do you know what I mean? A sort of single parent extra payment of some form. Oh, look at this. Uh, step parent six months in their lives. Sorry, this is a new comment. Which says, yeah. yeah. I'm worried about being a step parent six months in their lives, how to show affection. Their mum died three years oh ago. Oh, my God. That's so hard. That's so hard. So presumably this is a... This is a mum who's come in and, and replaced the position of the mum who died three years ago. I wonder if you mean show affection because of social distancing. I'm going to park it and say that's not what it is mm. and saying maybe you just don't know how to break the barrier of being affectionate, mm. which is very, very difficult, isn't it? Because to show affection to someone, there's so many signals that you have to read and get right. And sometimes children are... Um, May desperately want affection, but don't know how to how to allow that in, mm. you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can show a lot of affection by how you are with them, by the way you speak. I was very mindful with my stepdaughters to take it very slowly, cuddling them or anything like that. But what I did was I was very affectionate to them without touching them. Oh, mm. hello! Oh, 
so lovely to see. Oh, look how prettily you've done your hair. Oh, my goodness, did you? Or what did your friend think? And just being really engaged with them. And interested in their lives. And that's to be interested to listen, Mm. to really, really listen will get will they will feel your affection if you do that mm. and then physical affection may or may not come you don't know it's up to them it's up to them really but if you just keep thinking about being really present and really interested in them then if if physical affection is to follow it will follow yeah i would think uh, here's another here's another worry that's not non specific to being in in lockdown or covid or anything like that uh, i'm worried about boyfriends and talking about safe sex oh this is a young person yeah um um well no i, 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 I wonder no, I why this is a parent this is a parent talking about oh, safe sex with their children oh okay yeah. i think that what you have to do with this is just bite the bullet I mean, it hasn't been easy talking to my girls about it initially because they didn't want me to say the word sex. I tried to come at it through teaching them biology. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, well, it was a different way of doing it. So I did reproduction not that long ago, actually, with with Kiki. And in the the cut and thrust of stupidity and silliness and talking about and looking at ludicrous images, I managed to... Do my own little bit because yeah. I mean it's hard for a dad with daughters, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I, I just think, think it's do. easier yeah, for the mum to do. do it. But I think it's over. good that you have as well. But well, I, don't want them to I just, that, yeah, I can't. just, I it depends. See, it, this all depends on your attitude to sex. You see, what I I believe that I don't believe there's anything wrong with sex. I believe That's that cool. too many people <laughs> are too caught up in their baby girl or their baby boy having sex. And I yes. think that's a lot more of the parent's problem than actually the child's problem. Yes. You have to allow them to be independent people from you. And as soon as you could, as soon as you can do that, then you can be the best parent for them because you can talk to them openly and honestly about it. Now, my girls, I've had lots of conversations with them about sex. I've had lots of conversations with them about pregnancy and about if they had an accident and if they had this and that. And my first thing is... You will never be in trouble for whatever you come to me and daddy to talk about Mm. ever. Because I think one of the biggest problems is when your children are scared to talk to you about stuff and they talk to somebody else, somebody that could be scurrilous, somebody that could be misinformed themselves, Mm. somebody that's got other ideas about what kind of advice they want to give them. So I stay very cool, very calm. I've heard all sorts of things and I just, I hardly blink and I carry on and so. Well, you know, and I say, you know, sex is a great thing. You know, sex is lovely. And initially they were, oh, mum, don't, don't. But now they don't say that to me anymore. I say sex is a lovely, lovely thing. But it's just really important that you feel comfortable with the person that you're with. And you understand that great sex doesn't just happen you know, because you will be thinking, oh, wow, it's got to be amazing. It's got to be, it, it doesn't, it doesn't just happen. It's something like any other part of your relationship that you have to, you know, find out about and work on together. And it's so funny how I can have these conversations with them now and they don't mind. It was really difficult at the beginning. Um, and, I, you know, certain things that they might say, all four of them might have said at some point or other, not saying anyone specifically, will say things like, oh, yeah, but, you know, um, 
I can do this because boys do this and I can do this because boys. And, and I say to them, you know, what you've got to understand is as much as we are a feminist household, as much as I'm a feminist, as much as you are all feminists, the power balance when it comes to sex is still with boys. Mm. At, up to a certain age, and not all boys, because boys have a lot of pressure put on them as well, well by some girls yeah. demanding sex. What you've got to understand is, understand is it doesn't mean that you are empowered as a female if you act just like the boys do. Very, very hard thing to do, but you've got to find your sense of self. And once you act, your not sense of self, that's too much for them, but what do you feel comfortable with? Mm. You know what feels uncomfortable. If somebody's suggesting something and you're something inside of you, some instinct says, oh, I don't really want that. Act upon that. Act upon that. And it's okay to say, oh, do you know what? That's not for me. And say it with a, with a, with a strong voice. I mean, and if you, and, and I found when their ears prick up, say something like safe sex, I appeal to their, because all teens are narcissists, I appeal to that side. Why should you be? Why should you be the one that deals? Mm. Why should do, do, do? And then that gets them a little bit like feisty, mm. you know, and it's like, well, you say, well, absolutely. This is the only way. And, 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 and it does work. If you give them a sense of that they're coming from a very empowered and strong position rather than you're very asking, good. is it all right for me to but say? You're very good at that. You're very good at that. And I do think this is where women are from Venus, men are from Mars, whatever it is. I mean, I do think women have an instinct and mothers have an instinctive way of being able to, around a subject like sex, know when to not react because it's crucial, isn't it? You've got, you've really, you know, when those sort of topics yeah. come up for parents, and they rarely come up for me. I know that the girls, I, I accept and I trust that the girls come to you to talk about this stuff. And I'm very lucky and blessed that you're so, you know, able at being able to kind of work in the way that you've just said. Because I know that for me, I'm having to manage every single tick and facial expression. I'm having to sit on my hands. Oh, my. It's like I'm to, poker. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think as a dad to daughters, I mean, I don't know quite how it would run as a dad to sons. Um, I mean, and especially as I've had no guidance about around how to be around sex from anyone. I mean, you know, I just kind of just had a long-term relationship at 14 and then stumbled through it messily for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I had no, there was no sort of guidance around, I'm, did anyone talk to me about sex? I can't think. But, you know, I mean, I haven't talked to the girls at all about how they should enact safe sex or not safe sex. I mean, I'm still at the stage where I'd rather not think of them having sex. Exactly. So um, this is a sweet one, this, this worry. Not a parent view, but a child's worry that's common for me is watching my parents grow old. Oh, sweetie. Now, this is something that really, really captured my heart when I read this one because it reminded me of a time with Maddie when she was much younger. And she would get very, and Kiki actually, they would both get very, very upset at times when they, as as anyone does at any time. I mean, you know, we do it now with our own parents as as grown-up kids. Oh, my God, I hate it. I mean, every time my parents leave the door and I see them walk across across the drive, my heart aches. And and there's that thing that as a parent, one of the other lies, we were talking about the lies we sort of promote to our children in order to get them through this complete fraud that is life. Um, One of the lies is that, you know, in a sense, that we don't say we're immortal, we kind of infer that we're always going to be there Mm. for them. And it is it is a real. I thought that was a really touching and and intimate little mm. worry that one because it's irresolvable. You can't do anything about it. But I tell you what, what it did make me remind me of was the 
podcast slash animation. I was just about to say, watch the last episode of Gospel. Watch the last episode of The Midnight Gospel, which is on Netflix. And it's a beautiful, beautiful, real podcast chat Mm -hmm. between a son and his mother who has uh, terminal cancer um, about the meaning of life, about their love, and about how love can continue beyond the physicality of this realm and into the next. It's done with great sensitivity. It's made by the makers of things like Adventure Time. And it's just a very, very poignant and very moving. But, you know, we watched it together as a family, didn't we? And and Maddie was sobbing, bless her. We were sobbing. And and yet there was something very life-affirming mm. about it. Um, but it was a very, I thought it was just a very touching and sweet comment. Um, so one that's been coming up quite a bit has been the prospects of employment for young people. And this is our last. Mm. A number of people have commented on... Um, you know, how can we, you know, this goes back to our the, the beginning of our conversation, really, you know, you know, what are their prospects for employment going to be? And I think, you know, like, like I was saying in the beginning, a lot of the things in COVID are going to accelerate trends that were already developing prior to COVID. And one of those, for example, is technology. Another one of those is working from home. Another one is going to be lots of companies are going to realise they don't need as many people as they thought they needed. There's a very good book out called Bullshit Jobs. And what we are discovering, that book is about the froth that's created in our system of creating jobs that actually aren't needed. Of course, they're needed to the people who do the jobs. And that's not to say that anyone's job is is irrelevant. But the system creates a froth of jobs that simply isn't crucial to to us all being it. And so, of course, when that froth goes, which is what COVID's done, it's taken the froth off the top. What do you do when there is a job market that's depleted and when you have a lack of money and a lack of infrastructure and a lack of system? And um, it's the worry for every single parent out there. We, I worry about it all the time. Yeah, so, I mean, this this then flips into kind of political uh, pressure, really. I mean, I think we have to move away from selling. And this is a very bold statement. And in a sense, we're releasing a book about uh, homeschooling, but also about the concept of what education should be. I think society has to move away from selling this narrative that you go to university study subjects that are potentially the most sort of rewarding in terms of what monetary value and what you'll earn in a career, teach you skills, crafts, create, you know, they can be creative or scientific or engineering or whatever, but crafts. I think we need to get away from this, making students and children become indebted to the tune of 50,000, splurged into the, into the system with no guarantee of work and a disorientation as to why there's nothing there for them. I think we have to say to them, Let's train people up in lots and lots of different skills. I think it's a time for multi-skilling. I think Mm. that's the way forward. I think in a weird way, we've done that in our careers. We try to encourage our girls to think like that. You know, have a sort of technological side to yourself, have a creative side to yourself and try and develop practical skills too. And I think people can become sort of almost, I used to play a game called Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. And one of the most compelling parts of the characters, you have to create fictional characters and then you take them on these journeys and they die or they fight or whatever. And they gain an experience over years. And the great thing about them is they have all these attributes down the side. And I was talking to Izzy the other day. She's taught herself to sew. She's learned how to make wooden, you know, cabinets and all sorts of things. And it's like, equip yourself. Try and equip yourself as youngsters. I think if you can't find a job, there's always something you can learn. Mm. And I think you just keep learning. Mm. That's sort of like the only tip-top advice I could give to that. Mm. And there we go. Those oh, are some worries. Wow. Well, we share yeah. all of your worries. We do. And I think that's what this podcast is always about. Yeah. It's not about anyone sorting anything out, really. It's just about going, this is a shared experience. And with that, 
comes some comfort. I know it does for me when people say, oh, you know what, I feel that way. Uh, yeah. You know what, I'm fucking up all the time there too. It just yeah. helps. Well, there you go, guys. Well, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, thanks for all of your worries. Mm. Next, next week, let's do what are our favourite sweeties. Favourite sweeties. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da. <laughs>